everyone, and welcome back to Contextual History, the podcast that is not dead now, I swear. I'm back. Yes, it's me. Hello. Uh, I'd like to apologise for the extended absence. I've been a little bit busy. But to kick us off now that the break's over, I'd like to continue on with what is not 19th century Chinese history. Yet. Instead, I thought we'd contextualise the period we've just been looking at in a little greater detail. Specifically, I'd like to look at the case and the life of the city of Yangzhou, a commercial and artistic centre in Jiangsu. Astride the Grand Canal, north of the Yangtze River in the heart of China's vast coastal plains, lies the city of Yangzhou. Though now a prefectural-level city caught within the gravity of the Yangtze River metropolitan area, Yangzhou was one of the wealthiest and most culturally dominant cities in China during the Qing Dynasty. In the 18th century, artists and scholars flocked to the city, famed for its inspiring beauty and ample pleasures. However, underpinning the cultural flowering of Yangzhou was the economic inequalities between the wealthy and influential salt merchants and the population of semi-indentured salt workers who produced the source of the city's wealth. This system of unequal relationship reveals an urban world of two halves, one the literary world of luxury and commerce, and the others, the other, the gazetteer's records of hardship and poverty. Much of Yanzhou's traditional prestige derived from its references in literature and art. By the reign of the Tang Dynasty, from the 7th to the 10th century, the city had acquired a reputation for its pleasure houses, verdant gardens, and serene landscape. Thriving commercial centre drew poets and writers searching for patronage, inspiration, or fraternisation with their fellows. Few originated in the local prefecture surrounding Yangzhou. Most were drawn from further afield, dwelling in the city for artistic, commercial, or other reasons, before eventually returning to their home place. Many, though not all, notably the scholar Li Dou, who will come up in just a moment, the lure that the city held for literati is often referenced, regretfully in this case, in the words of Tang Dynasty poet Du Mu, looking back at years of rakish living in the city. I sunk my soul in the riverlands, watered with wine, broke the hearts of Chu girls dancing lightly in my hands. Ten years on, I wake from a young Zhou dream. All I've won, a callous name in the green mansions. The green mansions that Dumu refers to here are the dwellings of Yang Zhou's courtesans. By the 18th century, a new cultural zeitgeist emerged in the city. Though still famed for literary works, landscape painting had created a second golden age of Yang Zhou in the conception of the cultured and educated Li, Li Do, a local scholar and playwright, gives much insight into the urban world of Yang Zhou's literati in his Records of the Pleasure Boats of Yang Zhou. Much of Li's writings are filled with familiar descriptions of local courtesans, everyday pleasures such as his favourite places to get sti uh, pickled steam buns, and I quote, that of Ding Xi Guan from Yinxing, who ran the Symbium Scent and the Gathered Scent tea houses, and the rare momentous occasion such as the two visits of the Emperor Qianlong to the city. Li's civic pride in Yangzhou is clearly evident, even in his description of the city's tea houses. The tea houses in my hometown are the best anywhere in the empire. 
there is nothing that is not first class. Multi-storied houses with balconies, pavilions and gazebos, gardens with flowers, trees, bamboo and rocks, catering of cups, plates, spoons and chopsticks. Filled with taverns, tea houses and bathhouses that line streets with names such as Abundant Joy Street and Wishing Longevity on the Spring Terrace, those like Lee could and did spend many years enjoying the myriad delights of the city. Literary descriptions such as Lee's provide us a very clear and positive view of life at Yangzhou, though not necessarily a complete one. As much as literature dominates a large part of the image of 18th century Yangzhou, the prosperity of the city derived from its status as a centre of commerce, particularly in salt. Vital to both industry and life, salt was both an important trade good and a source of imperial revenue through selling licences to traffic in the product in specific areas. The mineral could be produced in great amounts on the low-lying coastal plains east of Yangzhou before being transported along smaller canals to the prefectural capital. Yangzhou, with its strategic position on the Grand Canal, was the administrative centre of a salt monopoly sector that stretched over seven provinces, the largest by both population and area. Predictably, this meant that enormous sums of money flowed through the city as merchants and officials congregated. In 1726, the taxable amount of salt sold within Yangzhou's jurisdiction totaled roughly 270,000 tonnes of salt, worth an estimated wholesale value of over 280 tonnes of silver. Now, this is only the total taxed amount. We know that there's a large amount of smuggling going on that is not taxed. So a true estimate on the total value of the salt trade is difficult to come to. Lido gives an account of the wealth of these merchants, describing the salt merchants of Yangzhou vied for one another in extravagance. One of them wished to spend a thousand liang, which, by the way, is weight of silver about 50 grams, in a single moment. A guest of his suggested that he buy gold foil, take it to the top of Golden Hill, and throw it down. The gold leaves, carried by the wind, soon scabbed amongst the trees and the grass, and could not be gathered again. The wealth of these merchants was vital to both the interests of the city and the imperial revenues. By harnessing their commercial activities, the Qing rulers were able to stimulate the internal cash flows of the empire and supplement other revenue-raising strategies. The burden of producing this great source of natural wealth fell upon the shoulders of the salters. The families had dwelt along the great coastal plains east of Yangzhou, mostly within Dongtai County. The work of salt production involved trapping tidewater in locks until it was evaporated into a concentrated brine, and then boiling the brine until the desirable and saleable salt crystals were produced. This also necessitated growing vast fields of reeds to fuel the long boiling periods. This process, difficult and often dangerous, was usually poorly compensated. The salt that funded the luxury of the prefectural capital was often insufficient to support the livelihoods of the workers, as the tightly regulated system gave them little choice to whom and at what price they could sell, leading to widespread discontent. This could be seen in their social rankings. Salt workers were usually considered to be of a low moral status, lacking even the honest simplicity of common farmers. A 1776 commentary gave a comparison of the two groups. 
The people in the western half of the province are all farmers, and with their incessant floods and droughts, very few of them were able to put aside anything. They had no choice but to live simply. The salt workers have permanent employment, but are not always working. They like to shirk, and hate engaging in trade. They think nothing of wandering away elsewhere, drinking and eating, and wearing out another's hospitality. In addition to this, status as a salt worker was hereditary, with families unable to leave or engage in other activities. Some salters turned to smuggling, illicitly selling salt in small quantities in neighbouring counties. Others sought to supplement their salt incomes by growing rice, vegetables, or raising animals in the land reserved for reed growing, a practice firmly punished if discovered. Finally, if the opportunity presented itself, many would seek to escape and find employment elsewhere. Earlier in the strife of the 16th century, during the Qing invasion, the salted population had reduced by half due to a mixture of escapes and death. The plight of the salt worker is a morbid reflection of the other face of Yangzhou, that both the genteel prosperity of the literati and the merchants also contained the hardships of life among the salt pans and the reeds. Yangzhou was by no means a typical 19th century Chinese city. However, its polarised nature between the concentrated urban commercial prosperity and the difficulty of life amongst the labourers highlights the sort of social tensions that were bubbling away under the surface, erupting in incidents such as the soul steel craze that we talked about last time, a while back, I admit, and would become so pivotal in the coming centuries. I hope you enjoyed that short look at the city of Yangzhou in 18th century China. Next time, you'll hear from me very soon again. Um, we're going to continue on with the 19th century, the decline and collapse of the Qing dynasty. Regardless, you'll be hearing more very soon from the Contextual History Podcast. Thank you and have a good night. Yeah.